A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. If travel can help you figure out who you are and what you want, then it has done that for Nikki Vargas in spades. In her new memoir, Call You When I Land, Nikki shares how her outward journeying, both as a young woman barreling toward a marriage she knew she was not meant to be in, and later as an ambitious magazine editor whose publication soared and crashed and burned, all brought her inward journey into focus. In the first part of this conversation, Nikki and I talk about what she has learned from failure and why short-term shame is a small price to pay for bringing your life into alignment. And in the second part, Nikki puts on her senior travel editor hat and shares her insights on planning trips that help you answer life's most pressing questions. Nikki, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on. Nikki, take me back to where you are in your life when you come to find travel as a way of revealing things to you about yourself. It was in my early 20s. I was on the brink of getting married to a lovely person, but just not the right person for me. I had taken a job that was a good job, but again, not the right job for me. And I just was going down a path that didn't look like me and it didn't feel like me. But rather than kind of have the wherewithal to realize that and stand up and sort of make a change, I had used travel at that moment in time to run away from everything. Every chance I could get, I was running away, running away from my fiance, running away from my life in New York, running away from my job, just running away from the person that I had actively chosen to be at that time. I went on a solo travel trip to Argentina and it was a week before I was supposed to walk down the aisle and get married. And Which was a tell already. <laughs> it was a tell. I will I will say people thought I was having a mental breakdown. <laughs> like family was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> she's running away." And I was. I was running away. It was the final running away. And so I ran away to Buenos Aires. And while I was there on a whim, I went to Iguazu National Park. And while I was there, it was the first time that I had stopped running for myself. I was completely alone in this jungle, quite literally and audibly talking to myself, which is very funny now because I was there this past August and it is such a crowded park. So the idea that I was like roaming through this park, talking to myself about marriage and love and life is just very funny now to think of it. But it was the first time that I allowed travel to not be a tool for running away from myself, but to be a way to find myself in the context of this beautiful location. And I made the decision on that trip to 
to call off my wedding and to flip my life upside down. And that, that irrevocably redefined who I became as a woman and the career that I had. I don't know that I've ever been invited to a wedding that was ultimately canceled, but you do <laughs> such a beautiful job of detailing the levels of discomfort and shame that come with walking away from that decision mm-hmm. and needing to own that you have inconvenienced other people, that you have had people spend money that they will never get back, that people feel as though they are owed explanations, and that all of that pain and discomfort, and my hands are sweating just thinking about it for you, (laughs) is not worth selling yourself out for. Like the easier thing to do, arguably, would have been to just have gotten married Mm-hmm. and then dealt with it on the other side. Yeah, I was asked that a lot. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who do that. Yeah. You know, I, I will say I was asked in the aftermath, like, why didn't you just walk down the aisle? Just do it and divorce a month later. And, you know, at the time, and I don't regret that I didn't walk down the aisle. Even now, I'm glad I didn't. Um, I really didn't want to stand up in front of everyone I know in my life and promise to love someone for the rest of my life that I already knew I had fallen out of love with. It just felt like such a lie to myself, to the people there, to him. And for as much pain and drama and vitriol that calling off the wedding led to, I'm so glad that I didn't do that. When I wrote that chapter in my book, it was so difficult and also cathartic because people knew, of course, that I had called off the wedding, but it was so brushed under the rug. And it was really the first time that I detailed what happens after you make that decision. And not just to your point, the finances and the inconvenience, but also what happens on an emotional level with yourself where you you punish yourself and you feel like you're not allowed to grieve because you are essentially the one that caused all this mess. And so it was very cathartic for me to go back and hash out some of those feelings in a way that I think I haven't done, even in the past however many years it's been, like 10. (laughs) In some way, the personal piece of this wraps up more neatly than the professional piece of this. Yeah, it's funny you say that because even writing it, I was like, that is such a neat storyline. And then the professional one is something that I feel like I'm still in. So there was just no way to like tie that up in a nice little bow the way that like I had 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 years to reflect on calling off that wedding. There's an alternate version of your life where you go on that trip, travel is life-changing, you come back and you begin writing professionally about travel and it's a very straight line. It's not. In part because this is one of the most competitive and simultaneously dwindling fields that there is. (laughs) Yeah. In the process of trying to figure it out, because originally you end up in fashion PR, even though you don't (laughs) like fashion and you don't like (laughs) PR, like what a mess. You learn about media buying, which I actually think is. When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads. What did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. 
Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size 8. And now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Sort of a helpful thing to know about, to understand the the way that targeted ads and such end up on your Instagram. And then there is some blogging, but there's always this nagging feeling that what you really want to be doing is creating something of your own. Yeah. Take me back to the moment where you realize that that is actually a possibility. To your point, I was stumbling through careers very much the way that I had been stumbling in my life through love. There was a moment in time where I had finally, finally, finally broken into the world of travel, writing, and editing. I got my first on-staff job, and I am just one of those insufferable people that's like skipping to the subway to go to work on a Monday because I'm just so happy about this role. And I had this job for a few years, and then they did layoffs, and I was laid off with a handful of editors from our team. and. I was so devastated and I'm unemployed at this time and I'm interviewing here or there. And there's this moment where I'm interviewing for this startup out in Brooklyn. And while interviewing for the startup, I'm just basically tap dancing, fingers fanned out, telling this man everything I can do for him to make his dream a reality. And what I realized after that was what would it look like if I did that for myself so I started a publication called Unearth Women, and that was the epitome of everything that I had learned at that point about myself, about my career. It took from every experience, including you know the ill-fated fashion PR and the stint in media planning, everything, everything, everything that had shaped me up to that point, I poured into the concept of this woman's travel publication that would aim to champion women and unearth their stories globally. And again, this is where for our heroine, we're like, yes, it all makes <laughs> sense now. It's all coming together. And for a while, it just 
takes off. I mean, I love that you funded it through Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> Feels like a simpler time. But just as quickly as it takes off, the money dries up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And you don't really see a coming, which I think is is the most interesting piece of this, that you feel like the rug is pulled out from under you. What is the lesson? What was the takeaway? Oh, my God. I mean, that was... See, that's why that part of the story isn't as like neatly tied up because I feel like I'm still unpacking that in a lot of ways. But really the takeaway was that I moved fast and and I was messy. And it came from this place of if I don't move fast enough, someone's going to beat me to it. In this case, there was nothing like a mainstream essentially a travel and leisure type magazine that focused specifically on the experience of moving through the world as a woman and spotlighting women around the world doing interesting things and shaping their countries and communities. Nothing like that existed at that time. And so there was such an urgency to just move, 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 move before someone beats us to it and to just run with the momentum and I look back on that and I wish that I had moved slower. And that to me is the biggest lesson. Tell me when you say you were messy. Yeah. What did that look like? <laughs> well, I think messy in the sense that I started that company and took that role on as if I had joined an established company and I was hired to be their editor. So I was focused I like to think like my dad has the saying about a horse with blinders that I was only looking straight ahead and I wasn't looking around me because I had blinders on. I was looking just at the editorial work because that's what I wanted and that is who I am. I'm a writer, I'm an editor, and that's what gives me joy. But as a result, I wasn't looking at the bigger picture. I wasn't looking at the finances. I wasn't looking at the marketing, the sales, everything else that is necessary to make a company successful. And in the end, when I look back on it, you know, I wish that not only had I looked at the bigger picture, but that I had also moved slower and allowed myself to kind of let things unfold. I'm just so struck by the fact that you experience what I think a lot of people would call failures. Yeah. And you experience the shame that comes along with what is perceived as a failure. Mm -hmm. But you really do manage to keep it going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And I I wonder what your counsel is. Because it's a thing. It's like we talk to a lot of people who have big wins, right? And there's a lot to learn from people's big wins. I would argue there's more to learn from the things that don't work out. And then incorporating those lessons into the next thing, whatever that may be. There was a lot of failure between the wedding, between mistakes made with relationships and family and career. I remember that when I sought out to first write Call You When I Land, I read a quote and the quote said, an approximation of honesty won't cut it. And I held on to that while writing because I knew that if I'm going to go on this journey, to birth this book into the world, I have no interest in painting myself to be this like flawless heroine. It's supposed to be messy. It's about failure. It's about growth. And 
what I have come to love and appreciate is that those failures got me where I needed to go. Something in all of those failures shaped me into the woman I am today, led me to the next thing. And I have learned to love them. I really have learned to love these failures for as much pain and drama and shame as I felt at the time with them. I wouldn't undo any of them because I don't think I would be the woman I am today. Let's talk a little bit about travel. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us open our Instagram feeds and this is now the season where like, how's that person, how is everybody affording to go to Europe? (laughs) Yeah. What have you, being surrounded by people who love travel and love to travel, learned about what it takes provided you are not a trust fund baby, Mm. to make travel a part of your life? Yeah. I mean, what I have come to learn is that where there's a will, there is certainly a way. Outside of the stories that we put out into the world, you know, as travel editors and media, where we're constantly trying to arm our readers with ways to see the world on affordable tips or destinations that might work for them or moments in time that like off-shoulder seasons that might be better to visit a certain place than at another time of the year. Ultimately, I find that it comes down to the travelers. So for example, what I came to appreciate as travel sort of redefined itself post-pandemic was that during the pandemic and subsequently afterwards, we saw that people began to redefine travel for them. It wasn't suddenly a bucket list trip to a safari and the Maasai. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the LA area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Mara, it could be something like a weekend getaway to the town, you know, right over from you. It could be a train ride to two cities away. It wasn't so much then about the big, splashy, high-ticket item. It was about the act of moving out of your comfort zone and allowing yourself to see someplace new, whether it's on the other side of the planet or it's three hours away. And I love that that is where travel has gone because it makes it more accessible. It makes it more inclusive and it redefines the concept of traveling, which is travel is not about a five-star resort on Lake Como, that it's about being in a new place and discovering new ways of life, new cuisines, new cultures. And, and that doesn't have to be something that breaks the bank. Once you have figured out where it is you want to go, do you have a process you recommend for planning a trip? You know what's so funny? I have a little side story for you. Yeah. A while back, I used this company that does a surprise trip. It's like one of those companies that you open the envelope at the airport and you find out where you're going and that's what it is. And I was doing it for a story. And what I learned is that I'm terrible at surprises and <laughs> I, I love planning. So they sent you flight dates and airport. 
and then just weather. That's it. You don't know where you're going. And I was like, how many United Airlines flights are leaving LaGuardia at 7.55 in the morning? And I narrowed it down to Denver, Colorado. And I happened to plan the whole trip before I got that envelope, which of course I tore open right away and it was Denver, Colorado. So when I'm planning a personal trip, I am just a voracious reader. I'm reading all the stories, all the blogs. I'm asking friends. I'm reading everything. I'm watching everything about that destination to just try to absorb as much information about it of what to do there, what to see, but also the culture and what's going on there. What's the politics? So just like have a sense of where you're going. And then from there, I don't do itineraries per se so much as I do just like a list of like, you know, I wake up in the morning there and I say, what do I want to do today? And I have kind of a list of things that I could do that I know are awesome that I already sort of researched and vetted. And that's very much my my mode of travel. Nikki, for someone who is, as you have been in the past, using travel as a way of finding themselves, finding out who they are, what they want, perhaps someone who is going through a period of grief or loss and using travel as a way to process what has happened. How do you honor that in the course of a trip? How do you prepare mentally for that without putting expectations on the trip that you're going to somehow come back perfect and whole? Yeah. I mean, expectations certainly, I think, can get in the way of it. For my trip when I was in Argentina, I think the most important thing was that I was alone. I was completely alone. I allowed myself without distraction to confront myself. And I think that is what is key here is that I found a moment in time where I could step away from family, friends, to-do lists, everything that I felt was clouding my vision back in New York. And I could just talk to myself, honestly. I didn't go into it with expectations. And Lord knows when I was in Buenos Aires, I continued to avoid myself. I didn't want to be alone with myself. I was hanging out with other travelers I had met at the hostel. I was drinking Malbec and going to asados. I was I was having a ball, but I was not confronting myself. And then when I got to Iguazu, that's when I was like, this is it. Like, this is the moment of no return. Like, if you don't, if I don't talk to myself now, if I don't have this moment, like this clandestine meeting with myself now, I'm walking down that aisle in a week. So if you're going to do it, just find time to be alone with yourself, whatever that may mean for you. And to really just confront the things that you may be running away from. Nikki, congratulations. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm truly, truly honored to join the ranks of all the inspiring guests that you've had over the years. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Cochin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community.
a little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author, Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. 